Hey friends, with Azure government, U.S. public sector entities receive a physically isolated instance of Microsoft Azure that employs world-class security and compliance services that are critical to U.S. governments. Steve is back to give me an updated view of Azure government, including how it's both the same and different from the Azure public cloud today on Azure Friday. Hey friends, I'm Scott Hanselman. I'm here with Steve Michelotti, who's going to talk to me about Azure government. So this is a separate secret Azure that none of us know about? Well, I wouldn't exactly say it's secret, right? I think the best thing we can do is start off by defining what is Azure government. Hmm. So with Azure government, it is a sovereign cloud for US government cl customers only. So what do we mean when we say a sovereign cloud? Essentially what we're talking about here is a separate instance of Azure. So if we think of Azure as a hyperscale, you know, worldwide cloud across uh, data centers and regions throughout the entire world, Azure government is a hyperscale cloud that's uh, spread out over data centers and regions in the continental United States that is available to U.S. government customers only instead of the general public. Um, and so that's what we're talking about, actually a physically separated, isolated instance of Azure. So it's got its own data centers, it's got its own network and express route and, and those type of things, but it's the same technology. So it's not that we have some extra secure secret version of the code running in Azure government. No, it's the same high standard okay. code that we have in Azure commercial. Uh, but it's that the thing that gives Azure government these higher levels of compliance is that uh, because of this uh, separation, this physical separation, and because the data centers are the operators and the data centers are screened US persons only, those are the things that give us the uh, higher levels of compliance. But the same technology, the same you know, region pairs where the, the data centers are 500 miles of physical separation uh, and the full range of IaaS and PaaS services that you're used to in Azure commercial, those are the, the same, uh, same in Azure government. Okay, that makes sense. Let me draw a couple of analogies and see if I get it right. So, you know, right now, I don't know if my blog isn't sitting next to your blog or, you know, or, or Walmart or someone like just sitting there. I have no sense in the public Azure cloud, who's my neighbor. But with the Azure public cloud, I can do things like, um, you know, Azure uh, service plans or availability zones. And I can say, well, I know I'm on, I'm on my own rack or I'm on my own machine, or I can have uh, an Azure app service instance that is, but I'm always in the same building. I'm, I'm on the same network. I'm being operated by the same people who clock in every day. The public cloud is used by the public of which I'm a member of that. But I can guarantee that my blog is not sitting next to a US government website. That's exactly correct. That's a great analogy. And it's it's that separation that is exactly what we're talking about here. So you can only think of Azure government as a community website for the government community, but not to the general public. Okay, that makes sense. That's cool. So there's not like 30 of these, like in Azure, there's five regions. Yeah, actually, that's a good uh, segue. Let's talk about uh, the number of regions, because it depends on, on which level we're, we're talking about, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So when we are talking about the range of government customers, it really is the full gambit. So actually, we have lots of government customers that are right here on regular Azure commercial. And that goes up to FedRAMP high. And so, uh, you know, we do a lot to support our, our customers there. What we'll talk about primarily today is this area right here in Azure government. This is the sovereign cloud, the second column right down here that goes up to impact level five, which is the highest level of classification for uh, highest level of compliance, I should say, for uncloud unclassified workloads and FedRAMP Pi and additional compliance regimes. And then we have a couple other government clouds as well, 
um, with Azure Secret and Top Secret. So Azure Commercial and Government are not air-gapped clouds. You can get to them from the internet, whereas uh, Secret and Top Secret are air-gapped. They're for classified uh, workloads. And if you want to know more about those, you can read about those on our Microsoft blog. But Azure Government right here is where we will dive into the demos today. So when you're choosing which cloud and, you know, with the various regions, a half a dozen reasons, regions just in Azure government alone, that this uh, second area right here, you're really making the selection based on your workload. What are the compliance requirements and needs of your workload? Interesting. Okay, so with these impact levels, these Department of Defense impact levels, internally at Microsoft, we have this thing called medium business impact or small business impact. And they, they you go to a SharePoint site and it'll you'll say, oh, I'm going to put my documents about .NET or whatever I'm working on up there. And if it says medium business impact, I always think to myself, if this got out, it would be a medium big deal. As opposed right. to every once in a while, I'll go and I'll meet with somebody like, you know, once a year I get to see Satya and then suddenly I'm on the high business impact section of yep. the SharePoint. And I think, oh, man, this really shouldn't get out. This has an impact. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a good analogy. That's a good analogy. Okay, that okay. makes sense. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to just dive into uh, a bunch of demos from here. And you're going to see a common thread through all of these demos. And that common thread is that with Azure government, you may need to do one little thing differently to connect. But once you're connected, you have a parity of user experience. So a developer experience, user experience, you're going to see that experience is the same. So right off the bat, what I'm going to do here is you notice that this says Microsoft Azure government right here. And the hmm. URL is portal.azure.us. And if you see those two things, you know that you are in the Microsoft Azure government portal as compared to the commercial portal. So you just do one little thing different to connect, i.e. different URL and use your government credentials and you're in. But once you're in, you're going to have a parity of user experience. So for example, I'm going to click all services right here. And by the way, I have two tabs up on my browser. Here's my tab for Azure government and here's my tab for regular commercial Azure. And if I flip over to this tab over here for commercial Azure and do that same thing, if I flip back and forth between these two tabs here, you're going to notice that looks virtually identical. Maybe there's mm -hmm. one icon different here, one icon different there, but virtually identical. So I'm going to stay over here in Azure government and I'm going to click all. And as we do that, we can see that we have a range of services on Azure government from compute to networking to you know, storage services, various web technologies, container technologies like Kubernetes and AKS, various databases, Cosmos DB and and MySQL and serverless technology like Azure Functions and Logic Apps, Analytics, AI, ML, really the range of Azure services that you'll see, we have them on Azure government. So, you know, was if that, you're looking- If I may, was that always the case? I mean, I remember in early, early days with things like Azure Stack and Azure Public, Azure Public seemed to always be on the leading edge and then you'd always be a couple of months or years behind. How, how much parity is there? So <laughs> the, what what's the best word to use here? But you you make it's it's extremely different from where we were a few years ago. And I, I remember when you and I were were doing the similar demo many years ago. It, it was very different. When we look at the parity today, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's near um, identical parity in the sense that you can go over to the Azure Public Portal and you can see like preview services over there. You mm -hmm. won't see those in Azure Government. We by policy sense. do not bring preview services over to Azure Government. But for those services that have been GA'd. 
Um, it, you know, with a user base in Azure Public, you'll typically see those um, services appear in Azure Gov, if not immediately within about a, a month or two. So we've really worked hard in the last few years to bring that parity up to speed. That's cool. So I see. So then everything here is really vetted. And if a preview service were to show up in here, that means that they're focused on Azure government and they care about exactly. the, the government requirements. That makes sense. You got, it. you got it. Exactly. So let's see what the, the difference is in the experience. Let's go ahead and provision a, a resource. So I'm going to click over here to app services and let's just go ahead and click the create button here and see, does it look the same? Does it look different? Um, and what we're going to see here is from an experience standpoint, it is going to be the same. So I'm going to select an existing resource group called uh, Azure Friday. And let's just provision a new site called AZ Friday. This we'll makes just... me a government agency now. I just want to make sure everyone's clear about that. Exactly. No, no question about it here. So <laughs> I'll select a runtime stack. And then Right here, the only difference you're going to see is instead of seeing a selection of regions that's throughout the entire world, it's going to be scoped down to just the uh, Azure government regions. So, this is so cool. Like I'm noticing also just as a point here, because I'm interested, like .NET 5, like you, they don't have, you don't have to wait. It's there. You want yeah. Linux? You want Docker containers? You want Windows? Like the yeah. Look at that. You've even got .NET 6. Exactly. Early access, right? Depending on when, when someone watches this video, no question. That's so great. that's a great example of the parity, to how quickly we get it in. Oh, man, so that's good. since I'm on the East Coast, I'll pick Virginia and I'll go ahead and just go ahead and create that app. And it only takes a few seconds to provision, but uh, we're actually not going to wait for it because I want to jump into the next demo here. So pointing and clicking is great in the portal when you want to get stuff done quickly. But usually we want to rely on scripting and automation to have repeatable processes to, to set stuff up. Now, what's interesting in the government space is sometimes in certain government machines, you don't always have the ability to install whatever tools you want on your machine. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you can't. So wouldn't it be nice to just be able to come right in here and I just click this button right here for Cloud Shell in the portal. And, and there, by the way, there's my website that just provisioned. And what Cloud Shell gives you is just like an Azure commercial, it gives you a command line in the cloud, browser-based, did not have to install any tools on my machine. I can select between PowerShell and Bash. I have PowerShell right here. And I have a full file system where I can run commands. I can even go into the Azure Drive and I can look at my resources this way. So I can come in and go into a subscription. And I can I can list what's in that subscription if I want to look at uh, you know my resource groups or my web apps. And I can navigate around really easily um, using these types of commands. In fact, there's that AZ Friday website that you just saw me uh, provision a few moments ago. Wow. So. Cloud Shell is really nice from a government for anyone really, but especially in the government case where you can't always in every instance to pull, you know install command line tools uh, at your whim, so to speak. And, and and let me point something else out. Zoom in on the enabled host names there because this is important. You pointed out that portal.us portal.azure.us. Here we've got Azure Friday.azurewebsites.us. Really, you know, hitting that main point that there's no bridge between this instance of Azure, Azure government, and Azure public cloud. Like this is its own thing. And that's what makes it so useful for that's the right. government that the sovereign cloud is its, it has to be sovereign and sovereign means it's in control of its own destiny and it's got a wall around it. That's exactly right. And in, by default, you're, you pointed out that these host names are different than in the public cloud. But if I want to put a custom domain on this, I certainly can do that as well. Yeah, presumably a dot .gov or a dot .whatever .us, right? You got it. You got it. That's exactly Very cool. right. Now, would I, I live in a small town in rural Oregon, would my small town run their public website on uh, Azure government? Or is it that we don't really have any secrets? 
That's the question. Potentially, yes. But what that really is determined by is what are the requirements of the workload? Do they have a workload that requires those higher levels of compliance? If yes, then this is a perfect example. Maybe, you know, there's uh, citizen data or something like that. You want higher levels of compliance. But if you're just running a public website, probably you don't need that. You could just do that workload on Azure commercial. It's really their choice. Some customers, well, they, if they're just using Azure government, they put everything there. It really, uh, you have the flexibility to do it in either case. Fantastic. Okay. Now, next thing I want to show, in this instance, one thing that was really nice about Cloud Shell, it was not only you know, automatically installed, I'm putting that in air quotes because it lives in the browser, but I didn't have to do any login process. It was already logged in immediately to my Azure government instance. But let's say you actually do want to use our existing tools like the command line tools we give on your local machine. So I want to show that next. Now, Scott, you and I later can determine, we can do our comparisons of our custom terminal settings and everything. I do, appreciate right now, your, I do appreciate your custom prompt and your usage of the, uh, the Windows terminal, very nice. But uh, I, thought, I thought you would like that. So anyway, um, what uh, the, the key takeaway here is the Azure CLI is cross-platform. So you can use it in mm -hmm. any terminal, in any shell. It's your choice. Uh, you know, stick with what you're comfortable with. I happen to be running this in PowerShell using Windows Terminal. And I want to show you a few things here. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to run this uh, Azure CLI. And there it is, AZ. That's our Azure command line. And mm -hmm. I want to run this command called list locations. And you might notice I'm outputting that to a table. And when we run this command, you're going to notice that the output of the command is actually going to show the regions of what I'm currently in right now at this moment. My, my CLI instance, what is it logged into? And if we look here, we're going to see that these are regions that are all throughout the entire world. So this is a great indication that um, I'm not logged into Azure government right now with my CLI. I'm logged into Azure commercial. And if I run this command right here, AZ Cloud List, I want to show a, a one thing in particular about this. This shows the list of clouds that I can log into. And what I want to show specifically is right here, and this kind of segues into what you were talking about a second ago. There's Azure US government. Notice how they all have different endpoints, mm. not just the default endpoint like we were pointing out for the host names, but even those management endpoints with, you know, Azure Resource Manager and all that kind of stuff. Just another thing to drive home the point that these are physically different endpoints, different instance of Azure. Right, right. I see there MariaDB, MySQL, and Postgres, all of which are services that a government person might want to use. And they're all inside that, that managed data center, uh, even though they're the services that they're used to using. So that means that I could probably put Azure government on my, uh, on my LinkedIn because I know how to use it now because I know how to use Azure. There you go. Perfect. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Very so cool. what I'm going to do now is I'm going to run AZ cloud list in again, but this time I'm going to output it as a table because I don't want to look at all of the JSON endpoints. I just want the, the bare minimum information because the thing I want to point out is the is active flag is set to true for the Azure cloud. And what we want is that is active flag to be set to true for the Azure US government cloud. So the one thing differently we have to do here is AZ cloud set and we need to give it a name, and I'm just going to double-click Azure US Government right there and then right-click to paste it onto my line, and that's going to set my context to point to the Azure US Government Cloud. Now, at that point, I can just run the regular AZ login command that I would do anytime I'm using the Azure CLI, and again, the experience will be the same. So I run AZ login. It knows that my context is switched. 
to Azure government. And I get, you can see the browser popping up here. Mm -hmm. It knows that my context is Azure government. So it's asking me to select one of my Azure government accounts and like that, yeah. I am logged into. This and also store. worth pointing out, and again, I'm a nerd about this, the, you, the, the, the domain that you just went to to do that, that login was actually a .us domain as well. So even the authentication went through a Microsoft .us login. So That's it's exactly security right. end to end. Yes, you got it. It's exactly right. So now that I've done that one thing where I just pointed it to the GovCloud, I'm just going to hit the up arrow a couple times on my terminal here. And I'm going to go back to that original command that you saw me run a minute ago of list locations. And I'm just going to rerun that exact command that you saw me run uh, you know, one minute ago. And you're going to notice that this time the output is going to look slightly different. Instead of showing this list of data centers that's throughout the entire world. Now you're seeing that exact command, but it's returning different results here, the uh, regions that are in the GovCloud. So at this point, I'm logged in. I can run any command I want that I would, you know, that I, I'm used to running from the AZ CLI. For example, if I want to get a list of my web apps, I can run that type of thing. I'll put it as a table. And mm -hmm. now I'm just getting the exact same parity of user experience that I would get in Azure Commercial. Now we've looked at, um, Oh, and there it is right there. And, and once again, we'll just point out the AZ Friday right there. Nice. So we, we've looked at the portal and just one thing different to connect the URL and we saw Cloud Shell, we saw the CLI. What about some of the tools we use from a development perspective or even some admin things? So what I just did there was I typed code dot to bring up VS Code. And I just wanna show a couple things here. Is this icon right here, this little A icon, let me give an arrow here. That's the Azure icon. And that is when we install Azure extensions into VS Code, mm -hmm. that A icon for Azure is where those extensions get installed. We click that and we can see those extensions. And that's another thing we work very hard to make sure that those extensions work with Azure government as well. So for example, if I do Control Shift P and it's asking me right here, sign in to the Azure cloud, that's coming from those extensions. And so if I say, yes, I wanna sign into the cloud, so do while you're doing that, does anything, does everything work? Like I don't need to, uh, does any tool that I come upon or anything that talks to an Azure endpoint need to be updated to talk to an, a sovereign cloud or they just work? It should just work. And, and the reason is because the um, Azure extensions use this Azure account uh, sort of base extension. And as long as they're all using that, which I believe they are all at this point, it should just work because that handles that common experience at a, at a kind of single central level. Um, and, and in fact, there it is. I, I just, while we were talking, I clicked log into Azure government once again, the exact same. Uh, and, and that was the thing you were pointing out with the, the US uh, URL. So it's the exact same experience. And now when I come into this, if I click this A icon, you can see we have all these different things here. We have app services and functions and storage accounts. So I can look at my databases and this gives me the ability to see all of my resources in Azure government exactly the same way I would see them in Azure uh, commercial. So I can expand you know, my web apps. And once again, there's the AZ Friday that I just provisioned, just wanna keep showing that. And then over down here in the storage accounts, um, I'm gonna expand this one storage account right here. And we're gonna see that I have a storage account in Azure government and it's called Azure Friday Gov. Mm -hmm. And you can see that this has a blob container in it uh, called docs. There's my blob container. And you can see this just has some JSON documents right here. 
And if I double click this first one, this is just kind of a generic uh, JSON document. Mm -hmm. And you're going to notice it on line 16, it says hello world. So let's change that to hello Azure Friday. Let's put a couple exclamations in there. And just like that, it's actually saved it back to Azure Storage. So these extensions are working seamlessly in Azure Public as well as Azure Government. All based on your login context and what you're currently doing. Exactly. The tools just work. Very so cool. for the final demo I want to show, we've, we've looked at it from the portal perspective and a scripting perspective in VS Code. I want to show my final demo is more of a developer perspective. So let's bring up Visual Studio and look at some C-sharp code. And mm -hmm. if we look at this code right here, what I like to say is that the most noteworthy thing about this code is that there's nothing noteworthy about it. This is the exact code you would write in Azure Public. I practically copied and pasted this code from the documentation page. And a couple things I do want to point out. Notice the first line, I'm using the chained token credential. That is from Azure Identity. So the new Azure Identity stuff works seamlessly with Azure Government. And so you can Notice that I'm passing the Azure CLI credential in here, but we could use a managed identity for if we were. Now, is that saying that it'll use whatever the ambient currently logged in thing that the Azure CLI is doing? Yes. So this is a great thing to do from a development standpoint on my local box. A lot of people use the Azure CLI credential, Visual Studio credential. Notice, remember, I logged into the Azure CLI a few minutes ago, so it's just going to work. Ah. So with the chain token credential, you can say Azure CLI, Visual Studio, managed identity. And so locally, you would use you know, CLI or Visual Studio. But if you have it deployed up in Azure, you might be running under managed identity. So again, that's just out-of-the-box behavior from the chain token credential that we get from Azure Identity. Nice. But at that point, all the code is the same. It's whether I'm writing this in commercial or public, because the CLI credential is already set to an Azure government context, the code can be blissfully unaware that something called Azure government even exists. I've right. got my blob client here. I do a memory stream. I call download async and I get the string. And I'm just going to do a console write line at the end to you know, output the contents of that particular blob. And if you notice the URL up here, it's doc1.json. That's the exact um, blob that I just showed a second ago mm -hmm. when we were looking at it in VS Code. So I'm just going to do a control F5 here to run it. Uh, from Visual Studio, thinking, and, or there we go, right there, and we can see there's Hello Azure Look Friday. At Look at that. I changed that from Hello World to Hello Azure Friday when I was in VS Code, and then we can see the result over here in Visual Studio. Um, so just another example of that. So very cool. Taking a step back, just to quick recap. Again, one thing differently to connect, and then everything else is the same. That's true if we're in the portal, Cloud Shell in the portal. The, the CLI tools, PowerShell, VS Code tools, Visual Studio, I'm writing C-sharp from a developer perspective, regardless of where you are in the Azure tool ecosystem, maybe one thing differently to connect and you will have a parity of user experience from there in Azure government. Fantastic. Well, this has got a bunch of ramifications. And like I said, I'm updating my LinkedIn right away because now that I've watched Azure Friday, I have a familiarity with Azure government. And I hope that folks that are watching won't be so afraid of it anymore because if you know Azure, you know this stuff already. Exactly, exactly. Thanks, Scott. All right, thank you. I am learning all about Azure government and all the great things that you can do in the sovereign cloud today on Azure Friday. Hey, thanks for watching this episode of Azure Friday. Now I need you to like it, comment on it, tell your friends, retweet it, watch more Azure Friday.